Shopify Masters is powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To get an extended 30-day trial, visit shopify.com slash masters. On Instagram, they have this new feature where you can pin stories on a highlight. And my best advice is treat each one as a web page. Hey, my name is Felix. I'm the host of Shopify Masters. Each week, we learn the keys to success from e-commerce experts and entrepreneurs like you. In this episode, you'll learn how to find the right Instagram hashtags to use, how to create a framework to manage all your social media posts, and how to decide what goes into Instagram stories versus what you put in your Instagram posts. Today, I'm joined by Catherine Gaskin from The Content Planner. The Content Planner is the first and only physical planner for your blog and social media content. It was started in 2016 and based out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Welcome, Catherine. Hey, Felix. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, excited to have you on. So tell us a bit more about this, this idea. Where did the idea for a product like this come from? Yeah, so I am by trade a graphic designer, and that kind of turned into a career in content creation. So working with brands and building my own Instagram through sharing content, using hashtags, collaboration with other Instagram accounts to grow my following and just create my personal brand um, through Instagram. And I found that when it came time to actually plan my strategy, so, okay, what am I going to post today? What hashtags do I want to use to attract a new following or different brands? There wasn't anything physical that I could write down my strategy. And I think I've been using a daily planner, let's say for the past 17 years. So since high school, I think I'm dating myself a little bit. <laughs> Um, so I've been using a planner and I'm, I'm so used to writing things down and making lists. I'm very goal oriented. And when I saw that there wasn't any sort of physical planner on the market for your content marketing as a graphic designer, I just decided to create my own. Very cool. So you decided to create your, your own. Did you have experience starting businesses before or creating your own products before? No, absolutely not. I had zero experience. I started as a freelance graphic designer. I had worked full time and then quit my job to, you know, live that digital nomad lifestyle to work less and travel more. And eventually the graphic design led to creating content on Instagram and that continued to fuel my travels. And then I wanted to let go of the service based side of my business mm -hmm. because I realized that I couldn't scale. I was still at the mercy of my clients. And if I was in Hawaii or the Maldives, like they could email me literally in the middle of the night and I would have to do work for them. And I also wanted to get into more of a product-based business and, and somewhat build passive income. I mean, if you're an e-commerce business owner, I feel like you work even more hours. Mm -hmm. um, but I had zero training. Yes, I... I know a few things about marketing and how to build your brand through design, but in terms of everything else that comes with e-commerce, like using Shopify and finding like your product and sourcing the manufacturer and all of that stuff, that was completely new to me and I'm still learning new things today. Yeah, so this transition from from service to product that makes a lot of sense. Like you're saying that a lot of entrepreneurs they go into starting business with a mindset of oh, I'm going to be able to set my own hours and do all these things for myself. But a lot of times, especially again if you're in a service based industry where you are a freelancer, you end up just creating a, a job for yourself where you have to be on the hook a lot more than just a regular kind of corporate nine to five job. So you 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 recognize this that that the the, the key to having more time, having more freedom is to move away from selling your sense of your time for dollars and move towards creating something scalable like a product. So during this transition, I think this is a place where a lot of people want to be transitioning from service mm -hmm. to product. What, what surprised you during this transition that, that maybe was easier than, than you had expected? Yeah, I think one of the easiest transitions was how much money can be made online. Mm -hmm. I mean, with a project, depending on if it was shooting content and creating lifestyle content or writing a blog or managing someone's social media or, or designing something for them, the more time you put into it, essentially the more money you're going to make. But with e-commerce, you can put in an hour and make the same amount of money you would have with 10 hours of graphic design work. So it was 
so cool to see that my work in just a small amount of time yielded such great results financially. Like I had never made that much money before doing freelance graphic design and being in that service-based industry. So that was a huge eye-opener for me. And then to also see how powerful social media can be in driving the traffic and actually converting your followers into sales. Mm -hmm. Was there a particular moment where you remember recognizing this, where you were like, wow, this is way better than what I was doing before where I was more on the service side? Absolutely. I think that moment for me was when I launched um, the official version of the content planner. So when I first started the content planner, I launched um, like a very small quantity in late 2016. And that was the very first edition. And I wanted to put it out there to see if people would actually buy it, if it was actually a viable product and if there was a market for this sort of thing. And it did sell out, but there were definitely things I wanted to change and update. I would say at that time, the product was maybe 70% where I knew it could be. And I rejigged it and I updated it and I listened to my community. And then I launched the official version in November 2017. So the November that just passed. And right when 5 p.m. hit on launch day, which was um, when it was set to go to go on sale. So right at 5 p.m., my phone just lit up like it almost froze because I was getting so many sales all at once. And it becomes addictive because you hear that like shop flashing, which I love. Mm-hmm. And you keep on hitting refresh and like all the emails are coming in saying you have a new order, you have a new order. And the people are posting on social media. So it takes a snowball effect. And just seeing that happen you know, at 5 p.m., seeing all those sales come in from all your hard work, I was like, wow, I've, this is the most money I've ever made in two hours, you know? Yeah. So I, I don't want to discount the, the the amount of, I think, effort that you put in ahead of time, right? Because mm-hmm. like you're saying that there is, uh, you're making money essentially in your sleep, but to get to that point, you have to build this kind of momentum and inertia behind the business first. So I want to take a step back to get a better idea of what led to this point. So I think mm-hmm. it, it sounded like you were saying that you were already building a following before you had a, a product to sell. Is that is that right? So I have a personal account, which is Kat Gaskin, and that is Salty Pineapple, which is my personal brand. And that's where I got a lot of my content creation clients and a lot of my graphic design clients. And then I started the content planners Instagram a few months before launching like the soft launch in 2016. And it honestly... I didn't really have a strategy because there are so many roadblocks that happen when you first launch a product. I mean, I'm sure people listening right now, if they've launched a product, that's always the hardest part. I mean, for me, that's been the hardest part is going from completely nothing to having a product that sells and having it um, kind of run on its own. So getting that started up was my biggest challenge. And I would say from late 2016 up until selling out in the soft launch and then updating the planner and and listening to my community, reading all the reviews and adding in all the features that they needed. So that took about six months of work, redesigning, working with my printer, and then also figuring out um, what my fulfillment process look like? How would I be able to ship from Canada and the US and just figuring out all those smaller details. So that was at least six months of work and then posting on Instagram, having a strategy for the content planner, writing down all my hashtag groups and how I would target different communities where my ideal target customer would be hanging out. Like that, my strength is in Um, Instagram and social media marketing, because that's what I had been doing for brands for the past two years. So when it came to doing that for my own brand and designing the brand and then building it through social media, that just came second nature to me. And it was funny because I actually used the content planner to plan out the launch for the content planner. And I was like, okay, so this does actually work. It's a product that provides a system for business owners to write down all of their email marketing, all of their, maybe they're running Facebook ad campaigns, or at minimum, at least they're posting to social media every day. And that's 
where I planned out all of my strategy. Yeah, I guess that that's what they call eating your own dog food, where you use yeah. your product to to actually run your business. So that's cool that you're able to demonstrate that. Mm-hmm. Um, so just just so I can fully understand, you were building this initial version of your 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 content plan or the version that you said that wasn't it was good enough to get out there, but now where you wanted it to be, you had that created and you had a production run of that first and then you started to b- try to sell it, essentially build the brand after you had the product? Yes. So the soft launch was in November 2016 and I launched with a few hundred planners and I just launched on Instagram, just hoping, crossing my fingers that a, like one of my followers would buy it. I think at the time I had started with 200 to 400 followers, but because um, my content was so targeted to my niche, I knew exactly Mm -hmm. who my customer is because she's like me. She runs her own business. I know the age bracket she's in, her location, what kind of hobby she's into, and the overall aesthetic. I knew exactly how to target my customer. So you don't necessarily need 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 Instagram followers to prove that your product can sell. I think I had, yeah, like I said, a few hundred at the time. And then I got my first sale and the rest is kind of history. Yeah. So this, these 200 to 400 followers, these were part of the, 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 the business brand or was it part of your, your personal brand that, that you are targeting? This was part of the business brand. So the content planner Instagram mm-hmm. and to get those first hundred followers, I posted on my account, but it wasn't like a one-to-one because now I have about 60,000 Instagram followers, but that doesn't necessarily mean that when I post about the content planner, all 60,000 of those people will funnel to the content planner. So I posted as much as I could on my own personal account with content that included the content planner, but was still on brand in terms of salty pineapple. And then because of all the connections I had made within like the Instagram industry with brands Mm -hmm. and other influencers, I asked them if they could post a photo of the content planner. So I would shoot a photo with my product and their product together. So let's say I reached out to a watch company, I would make sure that I was wearing their watch and but then also using the planner. So I leveraged a few of those relationships. It wasn't by any means like huge accounts with millions of followers. It was just anyone and everyone who I knew, I asked them if they would be able to post about it. I like that. So lots of cross promotion for anyone out Mm -hmm. there that might think, oh no, she had 60,000 followers. That's why she was able to launch successfully. Mm -hmm. I think you do the same thing by doing this influencer outreach that you're talking about. You may have to, to do a little more because that, because these are probably going to be more business relationships rather than more of these personal connections that you had. You might have to pay Mm -hmm. a little more to get this to happen, but there's still ways to leverage other people's audiences and their followings to drive traffic to your, uh, your, your page, especially if there is some kind of overlap between the audience. And in your example, I think that's, that's, that's great where you're able mm-hmm. to find ways to in that picture in that picture that post itself you're able to incorporate things to to help both brands with that watch mm-hmm. and then your content planner i want to take a second to let listeners know that eligible shopify store owners can now tag their products on their instagram posts with the instagram sales channel so now with these instagram product tags you can drive the engagement that you're getting on instagram over to your shopify store which makes it even easier to get the traffic and sales funneling from instagram over to shopify you can go Go to shopify.com slash Instagram to learn more. So now when you're driving traffic to or followers to your for to the content planner uh, Instagram profile when you didn't have a product yet, what kind of content do you do you post in, in that situation this like lead up to to launch where there is no product just yet? Within the time period of of like production and launch. So I'll use the 2017 launch, which just happened because that for me is like the official launch where I actually had eyes watching to see when it was going to launch. I posted content that was that was serving my community and that was mm-hmm. giving them content planning tips so mm-hmm. that when my actual product launched, they were so ready and they were confident in exactly how they would use the planner because it's not just a daily planner. It's it's a business tool to make money and to get organized and to create more time 
to do the things you love because we're on social media all the time. But if we don't have any sort of purpose, we're kind of just doing nothing. We're just scrolling aimlessly and, mm -hmm. and consuming. But as a business owner, you can't afford to not have a strategy and to not have an intention behind what you put out on social media because there are people out there scrolling who, who are literally waiting for you to give them their money. They just need you to tell them why they should buy your product. And so leading up to the launch in November, I would post um, between one to two times every day because I wanted to make sure I was hitting all of the time zones. I have the majority of my customers come from the US, but because I'm in Toronto, I do have a very good Toronto customer base. And then I can't leave out like international customers. So I wanted to make sure I was hitting both time zones. And then I also made sure that my hashtag groups were very targeted. I think that's something that people fail to do when they're first starting out their Instagram because hashtags are very powerful. And like, I'll give you an example. If, if you're in the fitness industry and you just hashtag fitness, hashtag fit girl, those are huge hashtags are very popular. They have between, I mean, I don't know, 10 to 20 million posts attached to it. But if you really whittle down your niche and be like, okay, I want to be someone in fitness who is vegan, um, who lives in Texas and who only wears Lululemon, then there is definitely a niche for you and you can leverage hashtags based around that instead of just hashtagging fitness. Does that make sense? That makes sense. So you, so these like three layers essentially of a potential target uh, audience that you're going after. Now, how do you actually uh, set that up when you create a post and you say you want someone that is in fitness, that lives in a certain part of the, the world and, and is also a vegan? How do you, knowing that, how do you actually find the hashtag that that makes sense for to get that to go after the audience yeah I like to do all of my research right on Instagram and what I'll do is I'll find my favorite influencers who align with my brand so if I find an influencer or a content creator who I know her followers will like my product I'll actually go to her posts and mm. look at the hashtags that she's using so that's one, that's like the base layer. And then to validate a hashtag, I'll click on it and see what the number of posts is that have been shared to that hashtag. Because I don't really want the five millions, even the one millions. If I can get between 10,000 to 200,000 posts, that's like the happy medium because you know there are people posting to the hashtags, but it's not so popular that if you were to post your, your Instagram, it wouldn't get pushed down after five seconds or even three seconds. Do you know what I mean? Right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then, and then, so there is, so that's like the second layer. And then the, the final thing that I always look for is how often people are posting to the hashtag. And if the overall content aligns with the vibe of my brand and, and resonates with my target audience. Can you say a little more about that? So you, you're seeing how frequently a particular profile that, that you might want to mimic or you might want to have their audience, how often they're posting? No, how often is the hashtag being posted to? I see. So if you look up like hashtag women with a plan, which is like the content planner hashtag, I just like to see how often people are posting to it. And then one that's related to that is like, create cultivate which is like a women's conference for creative like business women so that aligns really well with my brand and if people are posting to it you know 24 hours ago two hours ago 30 minutes ago it shows that it is relevant i see i see what you're saying so now when you identify these these hashtags you're not you're not talking about like creating a post and then having three hashtags, one that says fitness and one that says Houston and one that says vegan. You're looking for some has one hashtag that incorporates the three potential, uh, I guess, layers of that, that audience. Yeah. I mean, you're allowed to fit 30 hashtags in each post. So I actually once a month, and this is why I included like a hashtag section in the content planner. Each month, I, I create hashtag groups based on different themes. 
So for my customer, either she could be a travel blogger, she runs a social media marketing company, she's an e-commerce business owner, she's a fashion blogger. So for each one of those customer profiles, I have a hashtag group that is related to her interests, her hobbies, what kind of posts she's or what kind of hashtags she's also posting and the communities that she likes to hang out in. Got it. Now, you, you, one thing that you're mentioning that I think is really important is about how you have to be deliberate with the kind of content the, that you're putting out on your on your Instagram, deliberate with the, the caption and the hashtags you use. Mm-hmm. When you sit down and say, okay, I, it's time for me to you know come up with the two posts or however many posts you're posting in a day, what kind of questions do you like to ask yourself to make sure that you are deliberate with the, the content you're putting out there? Yeah, and I think that's a huge struggle with a lot of people with social media, the number one question is probably, okay, what do I post today? And I found for me when it comes, like with my personal account, it's really easy because it speaks more to my creative side and I have more fun with it. So I kind of just post whatever I'm feeling or I'll post about my travels. But with the content planner, it's completely different intention. I want to sell products. I want to make sales and I want to convert my followers into customers. So Without getting too salesy with every single post, because that's a huge no-no, you don't want to be selling every single post, I like to create almost um, like a cycle of captions that I can go through. So I have kind of five to six different types of captions, and then every day I'll just cycle through each one. So for example, you can have a giveaway, you can have a simple question that you ask your community, you can have one where you actually do sell your product, you can have a quote from someone that relates to your business. So I always love quotes about planning and organization. Um, the next one can be a community feature. So you repost a photo from someone in your community. And then maybe the next one is another business related one where you showcase your product and explain to your customers how it's going to benefit them. So I like to cycle through those different types of captions, captions, just so I'm not constantly selling and like beating my customers over the head with Mm. it. I, I like this approach of having this framework that you're working within because it does something for me, which is that it reduces this potential decision fatigue where every day you have to make a decision on what you're posting. You just look, okay, this is what's up for today. So let's work with that. My concern whenever I create something like that, and I would love to hear your opinion on this, is that people might, do people think, oh, this is becoming formulaic where they they know that a certain type of post coming up every single day and they pick up on that. Is that a real concern or is this something that, that that maybe because I am so exposed to it and I'm the one that's running this account or running this, uh, uh, using this framework that I am more susceptible to seeing that? Yeah. I mean, I, I totally understand that. And maybe as a business owner, you'll get tired of going through that same cycle. So it's really up to you how flexible or how much you want to stick to that plan. I know mm-hmm. for me, it's like, okay, yeah, I do have it written down and I do have a plan, but I I like to leave room for freedom and for different, just different opportunities because you never know what's going to happen on Instagram. You don't know what new features are going to pop up or maybe a brand is going to DM you and they want you to post and, and collaborate with them. So I think it is, it's good to have a loose guide, but to also leave room for those kinds of opportunities Honestly, with the algorithm and the feed not being chronological anymore. So if you don't Mm. know what that means, it basically means the Instagram feed is no longer like someone posted 10 minutes ago and then 20 minutes ago and then an hour. It's, It's now organized based on what Instagram things you would like. So even if you were posting... Um, The same thing, let's say you had one for each day of the week and like Sundays were always your giveaway days and Mondays were always your product focused days. I feel like people would really like that because they know what to expect Mm -hmm. and you can create fun hashtags around that and and people will know that you are going to post every day and, and they like to know what's coming. Right. This this whole um, change in the the Instagram feed where it moves away from the chronological to more of a like you're saying a, a personal uh, I guess this it, it, the way that 
that Instagram is setting it up is now is a much mm-hmm. more personalized feed. Um, that, that's a fe- that's a you know feature that some people like, some people don't like. But what features about Instagram have you, that you've seen recently? Do you think that is maybe underutilized uh, from from you know entrepreneurs or brands in general? Yeah, a huge feature that Instagram just added that I think a lot of brands do completely wrong is the highlights feature. So on Instagram, they have this new feature where you can pin stories on a highlight. And my best advice is treat each one as a web page. You can now categorize them into different highlights and you can name them something specific and you can add a cover so they can look very on brand. So you can design them however you want. You can use icons. Um, I see a lot of brands and they post Instagram highlights and all they do is just post the highlight and each cover is called highlight. And I was like, Mm -hmm. no, this isn't how you use this. Mm -hmm. It's made so that you can categorize your stories so that your followers spend more time on your account. For example, with the content planner, I have a highlight that just features posts from my community. And then I have a highlight about messages from me, the business owner, Kat. And then I have a highlight for planning tips. I have a highlight for features so that when people come to my Instagram account, they can all they can look at my posts. But if they're looking for something specific, they can click on one of the highlights. Yeah, it's almost like a, a navigation bar, right? When you go to a website, yeah. you have those, you know, top level menu items. You go to any website, any e- e-commerce website, you'll see that. So I think it's a very similar uh, user experience that you should certainly adopt. It, could, could you imagine going to a website and everything is the same name <laughs> at the top level? It's just called page. page exactly. Page. Yeah. And. I personally wouldn't bother going inside to learn about what is page one versus page two. I would just move on, right? Because it's too much effort to to do that. So I think it's really important that that you are talking about being more methodical about how you categorize it and then also be descriptive with with how you categorize it. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you decide what goes into an Instagram story versus what you will put into an Instagram post? Yeah, that's a great question. For me, how I decide what goes into a post versus a story is completely different. A post has my hashtags and the caption and the photo, which I treat as like the starting line. And then the stories is like the entire race. So the post is supposed to like pique someone's interest. So to really introduce them to your product. And you have to act like people are seeing this who have no idea who you are, what your product is, what your brand is, what your business is. And you somehow have to tell your story in just a picture or just a few words in a caption. So that's how I treat the posts. I'm I'm thinking that people who are looking at this, whether they follow me or not, maybe they don't know what the content planner is, but they definitely need need it in their lives. And then with the stories, because the only way you can really see the story is if they come to your account with the posts, people can stumble on it from anywhere. Mm-hmm. They can see it if someone they follow liked your post or if someone followed your account, they can come to your account and look at the post. But with the stories, I find they people who watch it had to cross a few more barriers. So they are somewhat familiar with your brand and and with your business. And if they've decided to click on the stories, then that means there is some sort of interest in your business. And I think stories are great. If you're not using them as a business owner, you're missing out because it gives your customers and your audience a much more personal um, perspective of who you are and why you created your products and the person behind the brand. I think with the content planner, yes, it is a product-based business and and it's a tool for your business to plan your marketing strategy. But a lot of the people come to the content planner to listen to me tell them about how to use it and they really like seeing how I use it in my day-to-day business. Yeah, I I like that that, uh, approach much more than what I think I typically see, which is that uh, the stories are for content that's disposable, that's not good enough to be permanent on mm-hmm. on, a, on, a, on a page through the post. And then the post, of course, the ones that you are wanting to keep permanent. But I think that's important that the way that people discover the two types of content, whether it be the story versus the post is different. And like you're saying, they are actually more, a little more familiar with your brand, with the product, with the problem that you are trying to solve when they are coming to a story because they 
probably browse through your, pro, your profile a bit first before they commit to going through your story. So then with that knowledge, you should produce content differently. And I think that, and just to add one more thing, I think that where a lot of people fail in stories is that they don't actually tell a story. They just think that they can recycle the content that they've posted mm -hmm. and just simply post the photo to the story and that's it. But whenever I post a photo to Instagram, I always after I post, I'll do between four to six stories of me talking to my audience. And I do a mix of like photos, boomerangs, selfie videos. People want to engage with you on such a deeper level than just seeing a static picture. Oh, I really like that too, because you're saying mm -hmm. that they, you want to capture them first with that, that post and mm -hmm. they'll probably click on it and then they notice, oh, you have stories lined up. Let me click on that. And then you'll go into it a little bit deeper. It's almost like the post itself is like the headline. Then the story is like the rest of the, the content. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. Now you, you mentioned, we, I think you mentioned already that you, so you have this personal brand that you have, which sounds like it has a larger following than the business brand that, that you're building, which is, you know, obviously newer. Do you, how do you, this, how do you balance the, the both of them where you are, the audience it, you're saying is different, but it's also, I think very similar where they are, uh, you know, people that are working online at least. Ooh. How do you decide when or how much attention or how much effort you should put into one brand, your personal brand versus your, your business brand? Yeah. I mean, for the record, Felix, I, I have to be honest, I'm still working on finding that balance mm -hmm. because both businesses are so new. So I launched another e-commerce business called the Salty Pineapple Shop, which is a print-on-demand model. And balancing that with the Content Planner, which is a product-based, I only sell one product that I design personally, I'm still working on finding a balance between that. And I think what guides me is what is honestly going to make me more money right now. Yeah. And for that reason and that reason alone, the Content Planner is what's deserving of more of my attention. And I also learned that for me personally, I can't juggle businesses. Like I can't do, let's say six hours in the mm -hmm. morning for content planner and then six hours at night for salty pineapple shop. And maybe people listening to that now, maybe they can do that and that's great. But I think even just being self-aware and figuring out what works for you and how you can balance things, that's, that would be my greatest advice for anyone who does run multiple businesses is to actually realize what you can and cannot do. And I am working on outsourcing more from the salty pineapple shop because I love the content planner so much. Um, so outsourcing and trying to really like systemize the business so it'll free up more time. Yeah, I think that that's important where you we have to recognize that this context switching from businesses to business or even from task to task, it's it's not free. It is expensive and it will burn some cycles. It'll, it'll require some, you know, th th uh, brain energy essentially mm -hmm. to switch from, from your case, business to business. And I, which is why I think I see a lot of times the entrepreneurs batching tasks or batching work on a specific uh, business. And maybe they would spend one day working on one business and only that business and then the next day when they have that kind of reset to 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 work on another type of business but yeah it certainly isn't free where you can just switch back and forth that you will tire yourself out by by doing that um so now when you do sit down and decide to focus on on creating content for a particular uh topic a particular hash or a particular group of hashtags on, on your on your page what what's your process there like how do you is are all the content that we see on the the content plan is that take uh, photos taken by yourself or how do you curate all of this? Yeah, I shoot all of my content because that's my background and I love shooting and creating concepts. So it, it is really fun to, to go from creating branded lifestyle content for other brands and then to finally be able to do it for my own brand because like at least I won't tell myself no or that I have to reshoot or that it doesn't align. Mm -hmm. So I create all of the imagery for the content planner Instagram. And even if you're not a content creator like me or you don't have a camera, you can absolutely outsource this. And there are so many great stock photographers out there now or content creators like me who you can hire to shoot content for you. Um, and what my planning process looks like, it's an everyday 
thing. It's, it's just like going to the gym or eating healthy. You have to be consistent with it or else you will fall off the map. So I have my content planner on my desk every day. I have it open. And whenever an idea pops up into my head, I'll make sure that I write it down or that I have it recorded somewhere so that it doesn't, you know, leave my head because, you know, as an entrepreneur, you have tons of ideas flowing through your mind. Mm -hmm. And I have the content planner open. I write down my ideas. When it comes time to shooting, I don't shoot content every day. The most efficient way for me to create content is to just schedule in shoots either once a week or once every two weeks. And then when I set up the shoot, I'll shoot between, I don't know, 100 to 250 photos just with different flat lays and different props and setups and different intentions with the planner to showcase different features. And that allows me time to edit like all at once. So I'll shoot in one day, edit in one day, and then just fill up my Dropbox folder. I call it to post. So these are all photos that I need to post. And then when it comes time to posting, I'll download all those photos and then transfer them onto my phone into a folder called to post. And that way I know, okay, now I have 50 photos that I just shot ready to go. They're all edited. And then once I post them, I delete them out from that folder. And then once that folder gets down to, let's say like 10 to 15, I'll schedule in another shoot time. Yeah. So I think an approach that I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs do, and I would love to hear your take on this, is that when they hear you talk about this, they might say, oh, why don't you automate all of this? Like, why don't you just use some kind of tool that that posts everything, schedule it all out? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I... I personally don't believe in scheduling your Instagram posts because as much as I would like to automate Instagram, I really like posting and being there for my customers so mm -hmm. that if they do leave a comment right within the time that I post, I make sure that I automatically respond back for two reasons. One, because that's really good for the algorithm and responding back to comments also shows that you're there for your business and that mm -hmm. you show up every day for your business. What a lot of brands do wrong is they post and they just leave their community hanging. They don't interact back with them and they don't respond back to their comments. Like I don't spend hours and hours waiting for people to comment, but I like to post and within the first 10 to 15 minutes, I'll hang around and hit refresh uh, to analyze this, the statistics also to see how many likes I'm getting, um, if it's generating followers and also who's commenting, because you know the people who comment really quickly are going to be your most popular fans, your most engaged fans. So I personally would never schedule my posts. And I think that comes off in your feed that it is scheduled. But hey, if your content plan is really great and you're able to plan all those out in advance, then I would do it. Yeah, I think it, what it also does when you are constantly every day, every couple times a day posting it yourself is that you don't lose touch with your community. Because I think when you are sitting down once a week or sometimes yeah, I see people doing it once a month, they sit down and plan out the entire month and just schedule everything at once. And they don't see until the next month, you lose this like feedback cycle of was that a good post or not? Because by planning everything ahead of time and by automating it, you kind of just almost because like you're saying, entrepreneurs, we have so many things to do, so many things to think about. If we don't have to think about it, we just kind of stop thinking about it. And if you plan everything ahead where you aren't, or you're automating everything, you stop thinking about checking in to see if there's good engagement or people are commenting or not. So I think it's important that, that, that you're saying that. And then the second piece, which is that you are showing and to some degree, almost training your, your audience to say, hey, if you comment on this as soon as it goes live, I will reply and I will engage with you. And I think that's very motivating for the community to, to respond. And I'm starting to see this in other mediums. I think YouTube is another popular one where mm -hmm. the, the algorithm really depends on people uh, not only subscribing, but then you also have to have notifications on. When I'm starting to see a lot of YouTubers, what they're saying is that if you comment within the first 30 minutes, I'll come in and also respond to it just to train people and just say, hey, engage, because I will also engage not only, in, not only engage, but engage timely, like get into this conversation today or right now so that I can participate with you. You. So I think that's an important uh, technique that, that you're talking about why it's important maybe not to automate because you can stay more within your community by manually doing it yourself. So I think yeah. there's certainly a lot of value there. 
you miss that opportunity to connect with your most dedicated customers. Mm -hmm. And even the ones who have purchased the content planner, they're still very active on my Instagram account, um, both on the business one and then on my personal one, because we've become friends and we've made a connection. And and that's what people want to buy. They want to buy into that connection with you because they see that you're so successful. They see that you live this sort of lifestyle. And now with Instagram, they're able to see everything that you do in a day or travel and even for you to comment back and, and to show that there is a real person behind the product and behind that business. It takes five seconds to, you know, comment back a few words, but you don't realize that that person will now remember you forever. Yeah, definitely. When you are creating the 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 post itself, do you what, what's your what's your thought process when it comes to the, the caption? Like, how how important is that compared to the the photo itself? Yeah, and this is also something that people take for granted is the caption. They think that okay, I have a great photo, but I'm just going to put emojis as the caption and call mm-hmm. it a day. But I would say that the caption is equally as important as the photo and they have to complement each other, you know, like work, work together to promote your brand and sell your product. And my biggest advice for people who write captions is to be honest and to be authentic. But most importantly, even with the way that Instagram is structured, you can't just type five paragraphs and expect people to read the entire thing. People on Instagram literally have the attention span of a goldfish. Like they just want to scroll and scroll and scroll. Instagram is not um, a reading like word type medium. It's just for pictures. But if you can craft a really engaging caption, then you have your followers for a few minutes and you can sell to them. You can make them follow you. You can make them like the photo. You can essentially control what they do. So how I like to execute this is write a caption in a Google doc. So I always have that open on my computer. And whenever I come up with an idea, I'll just jot it down in my Google doc. And then I'll go back and edit it so that the juiciest line or the most captivating detail, I put that at the beginning. And that way I treat it almost as a newspaper headline, like you always want to put the most interesting thing at the beginning. And that way, especially now that Instagram has the dot, 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 and it cuts off your caption, Mm -hmm. you want to, you want to draw in your followers and draw in people to actually read the caption because you do have important things to say and and you don't just want to post emojis or post basic quotes all the time. You actually want to create meaningful connections with people and like speak to their, speak to them on an emotional level. So What I like to do is put the juiciest detail at the beginning and kind of write my captions backwards. So instead of telling a story and then have the climax be right at the end, I put Mm -hmm. that right at the beginning and then I expand on that. Right. The the idea of not bearing the lead where you people aren't forced to read your content. So you have to hook them in. And I think it's important that you aren't building up to something in in your post you want to hit them yeah. from the beginning so they actually yeah. capture their attention because again people are scrolling like you're saying and if your content is not the point that you want to get across is not within that first you know paragraph before instagram cuts you off people probably aren't going to read more from there so that that's important uh, yeah. So you mentioned that if there are entrepreneurs out there that are not you know, creative or don't have uh, photography skills, they can outsource. And because you've been on that, that side of, of the, the table, what recommendations do you have for entrepreneurs in terms of how they can work better with a freelancer when they want to create a, a you know, more aesthetically pleasing uh, Instagram uh, profile? Yeah, I think when it comes to working with creatives, whether it's a graphic designer, web designer, content creator, someone who is creating visual assets for your brand, it's important to speak the same language. So for me, I'm a completely visual person. I would rather you show me photos or create a Pinterest board with images that that communicate the vibe of your brand as opposed to just telling me what you want. And that's always more effective to me than getting a list of like words or feelings from a client saying, yeah, we want our photos to be happy and bright and clean. 
that's totally different than if they showed me a Pinterest board of what that actually looks like. So I think being clear um, and using photos to communicate how you want to look is really important. And knowing who your target audience is. So knowing exactly who your customer is and letting the creative person who you're working with, let them figure out how to communicate the best to your audience, because that's what we're here for. We're professionals and we know how to design and create to really speak to a specific audience. So trust your designer, trust your content creator. But first, you have to know exactly who your target audience is and be able to visually kind of communicate that. I like to use Pinterest and or I'll just like I can screenshot from Instagram or go on Google image and like I'll put together a little package. Brands have done that with me too. They put together a style guide, which gives me a much better idea of the kind of content that they want to see. Yeah. One thing I've heard too, is that not only do you want to put together what you want your, your assets to look like, but then also put together what you don't want your assets to look like to kind of give that contrast. Um, so now I want to talk a little bit about the 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 um, the product itself as well. So you sell a complete planner, which I believe is currently sold out for 2018, and you are taking um, pre-sales essentially or emails at least for the 2019 version. But what you're also doing, which I, which which I think which I thought was very interesting, is that you can also you are you're also selling basically per month principal planners. Is that mm-hmm. is that how it's set up? Yeah. So initially I just had the physical planner and I realized that because this planner is not available in store, it's a completely new concept. There's nothing like it on the market. There's going to be people out there who are hesitant to commit to, you know, a $60 planner. Like, is it going to be right for my business? Am I really going to use it every day? Um, do, can I plan for 15 months even? Like people have a lot of questions and a lot of doubt when it comes to buying a product they're not familiar with. And so I found that offering a two-month printable, so it's a dated two-month printable that is a digital download, offering that for a fraction of the price was not only appealing because of the savings, like they didn't have to commit to paying $60. Right now, uh, the two-month dated printable, I sell it for $9.99, and that also includes some extra worksheets that it's, it's essentially an upsell. So people will buy the dated planner and then they'll fall in love with having somewhere to write things down. And then they'll essentially end up buying um, the actual physical planner at the end of the day. So I'm making more money per customer. Yeah, I love that, that you are finding ways to build that early trust with the customer that doesn't know who you are yet by giving them a much more kind of entry-level purchase into into your, your your brand. So I think that that's, yeah, I'm not sure if it can be applied to all industries, but it certainly makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense for, for the product that, that you're selling. Now, when they, when you were launching, I want to talk a little about the launch day. So when you were launching the the, the more completed version, I think you said 2017 of this this planner, what what led up to, like, what was the lead up like to, to, to launch day? What were you doing? What kind of preparation did you have to do to make sure that would be a successful launch day? Yeah, so I was posting like bare minimum, I was always posting to Instagram because I knew that was my highest converter of sales. And I knew that's where my target audience hung out. And that was my strength. I I know it like the back of my hand. So every day for, you know, five to six months, I was posting strategically, methodically, every single day, one to two posts. So that was fine. And then I was constantly reminding people from Instagram to sign up for the pre-sale. And that's pretty much how I prepared for the launch. I didn't actually didn't spend any money on advertising or Facebook ads or lead generation. It was all through Instagram that I built my email list. And that's what led me to have such a successful launch because the people already knew my company. They knew who I was. And I was able to even just have a small email list. It was, I think at that time, about 3,000 subscribers. And I ended up having a five-figure launch in one week with one product. And the way that I launched the content planner, I did it in phases. So on November 2nd at 5 p.m., the people who had 
previously purchased the content planner. So the ones who had bought the 2016 like trial version, they received the best deal. They got a free pen, a discount, um, and some free printouts. And then the people who had never bought the content planner, they were able to buy it once that presale had ended and their package was like a little bit less. Um, they didn't receive the discount, but they still received a free pen. And then I did a public presale. So I launched the content planner in phases, depending on how dedicated uh, my customers were. And I found that was really successful. Very cool. So 2019 planner is available for, for pre-sale today, or at least you can sign up to, to be notified about it. What else are you doing in preparation for, I guess, the lead up to this? Like, what, where do you want to see your business go as you get closer towards uh, the, the next launch? Yeah, I mean, I'm still in the very early stages of building the content planner. I'm I'm not at the stage yet where I can completely completely outsource everything. I mean, 2017, I was shipping out planners from my house here in mm-hmm. Toronto and um I had someone in the states shipping out my planners for this round. I definitely want to work on finding better fulfillment and being able to serve my international customers better, finding better shipping rates and each planner is launched in a new color. So right now my community can vote on what they want, what color combination they want to see for 2019. And then I'm also, again, reading reviews, listening to my community, and I want to update and redesign the planner so that it has everything that my customer needs. And it's essentially like I want it to be the perfect planner for them. And I'm always trying to work out like, okay, how can I be better? How can I save more money? How can I streamline? But the main focus right now is just tweaking it so that it's finally at that like 100% um, potential. Very cool. Thank you so much for your time, Kat. So the, at the content planner is the Instagram, the content planner.com is a website. And I think I also found at Kat Gaskin, K-A-T-G-A-S-K-I-N is your personal brand. And then also, also the Salty Pineapple Shop is the other Instagram. Lots of uh, Instagram yeah, profiles, lot. obviously. And thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you so much, Felix. And if anyone has any questions, feel free to DM me. I'm always available by Instagram. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Here's a sneak peek for what's in store in the next Shopify Masters episode. It is absolutely fine. If you look at my keyboard, you go to the website, you look at this thing and you say, what is this? I don't like it. I'm never going to buy this thing. Thanks for listening to Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. To start your store today, visit shopify.com masters to claim your extended 30-day free trial. Also, for this episode's show notes, head over to shopify.com slash blog.